Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list of 10 things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these 10 things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. Of course, that was the great George Carlin from 1978, way ahead of his time. I'm Allison. Welcome to Late Learner Podcast, formerly known as Culture Changers. And when my mother was in and out of the hospital uh, during her last six months with terminal lung cancer, chaplains would routinely come by and offer to pray for her. And my mother grew up in a church in Brooklyn. She was raised Protestant. And we also knew, we also grew up going to church every Sunday. My mom was a member of the choir. She was an active member of a small town in New Jersey where everybody knew everybody. And she would drag us really every Sunday to Sunday school so we could get some good faith foundations because we weren't really learning it at home. Prayer at home wasn't really a practice, but we did what every other family did. We went to church, we got baptized, confirmed, whatever was the natural order, we were trying to do the right thing and be good to others. So while I have had my own frustrating and confusing journey with my faith as an adult, my mom allowed the chaplain in the hospital to pray for her, but she didn't really believe it anymore. And when she passed, she didn't want a pastor or faith-based funeral. She didn't want a funeral at all. She wanted a celebration of life, and that's what she got. I thought it was interesting to see how her faith had changed over the years. And over the 78 years of her life, the one steadfast religion she always believed in was music and voice. An operatic soprano voice to classical composition is what moved that woman to tears. She would hold her breath and her entire body would be in full awe of the magic that she was witnessing and hearing. And to be honest, I was, I was really sad that God wasn't really part of her equation at the end of her life. You know, it's so common for us, at least in America, to say when someone dies, oh, at least they'll be reunited in heaven with their loved ones who have moved beyond this earthly realm. And as she approached death, she didn't talk about seeing her parents or siblings again. I guess in her mind, it was just the end. So is that all there is? You die and that's it? Your time's up? No higher power, no higher being, no pearly gates? And so it's an interesting time. And according to Pew Research, the vast majority of Americans, 90%, believe in some kind of higher power, 90%. 56% of those 90% profess a faith in God, as described in the Bible. And 33% saying 
are, are saying that they believe in another type of higher power or spiritual force. And I actually think that might be changing. And one in 10 Americans say they don't believe in God or a higher power of any kind. It's kind of interesting, right? I mean, with attendance in church declining, and it's been all over the news, things have surely changed. And so I started doing some homework, and according to Mary Keynes, she is a PhD and a developmental psychologist, she said, people are becoming increasingly disillusioned with institutions like religion, medicine, and government and are taking ownership of their physical, psychological, and spiritual well-being apart from these prescribed systems. And I guess you could see that, right? Like you could see that around you, a lot of things are changing systemically. Um, a, a lot of systems are being dismantled and re-looked at and rebuilt in some ways, and some with a lot of force from an opposition, opposition to stay the status quo. But Do you know what's driving this? Millennials. They're behind normalizing more spiritual-based practices. And uh, Dr. Keens or Kearns, I'm not sure if it's Keens or Kearns, she said they're a large demographic with a desire to change the things that haven't been working. So I'm curious, where do you fall on this spectrum? What guides your decisions? What is woo-woo anyway? It's funny, as I started to... um, kind of talk around, I knew that this was going to be a topic and started to talk around uh, some of my own circles. A lot of people weren't necessarily familiar with the term woo-woo. And so according to Urban Dictionary, woo-woo is a slang term used to describe those who believe in phenomena that lack substantiated evidence to prove the claim of the phenomena. And in other words, woo-woo could be associated with philosophy, religion, or any other branch of study that is open to interpretation or subjectivity. And I think there are probably four distinct categories of where you might fall. And I'm curious to see which one are you. And the first category, or camp, I should say, group, is science and data only. If it can be proven and I can see it, that's what I believe in. I think my husband may fall in this category. While he is a scientist by trade, he was raised Catholic, he doesn't reject religion or even manifestation. It just doesn't factor into any of his decision-making at all. And so, you know, when, when his mother died or when his father died, and I remember saying, you know, do you think they went to heaven? He's like, I hope so, you know? So it's, it's kind of funny. I wonder if you fall in the science and data only. And the second one, I believe a lot of people might be like this, in the skeptic, but amused. So that might look like horoscopes are fun, but I'm pretty sure it's bullshit. I'll still read them though, but definitely not shaking a magic eight ball to decide if I should put an offer on that a house. Well, maybe I will, just to prove it's bullshit. So are you, do you fall in that skeptic, but amused category where you could kind of play around with it, but it's not going to hold any water or weight to you. And the third one is open to expanded reality. So these might be people who uh, will engage in tarot, Reiki healing, which is energy healing, shaman healers. They're healers of all different types, crystals, meditation, feeling the energy in in your body, animals you spot, 
might be signs from the, or even insects might be signs from the universe, kind of, you know, being spoken to from beyond, you know, those people might be like, yeah, bring it on. Maybe that that's kind of cool. I'd be open to it. And then the fourth is woo AF. And usually, uh, and I may say some things that are controversial in this, uh, in this episode, but we'll see. Usually people, from what I noticed, this is anecdotally, I don't know that I have any research to back this up, but usually people who fall in the woo AF camp are people that are 100% saying the patriarchy can F off. And so I, these are people that are all about past lives, natal charts, magic and spells, potions, witchcraft, astrology, numerology, channeling, seeing dead people, tea leaves, witches, sorcery, people that are like, bring me all the woo. Now, I, uh, while I don't think there are any hard truths here, I think these are kind of four camps that you might fall in between some of these, or maybe you have some differing opinions, and I am open to that too. I hope that you challenge me on this. But if there are no hard truths here, but these are kind of categories of where people's beliefs may fall, the question I have is, do miracles happen? Is there a mastermind in the sky? or a stroke of luck, or is it within us, or both? And if so, what does it all mean? What is the meaning of life? I personally tend to fall in the open camp. I've taken courses on manifesting. I've had tarot readings that have reversed years of suffering from my body dysmorphia and disordered eating. And yes, I'm serious. I've had a tarot reading that did what therapists, coaches, nutritionists, uh, psychologists, nobody could do, but a tarot reading did. And uh, a tarot reading also prompted me to quit my job last year. I've had Reiki sessions that have provided more comfort and hope than any doctor, therapist, pastor, or friend. And now that I think about it, it's the one place, like when you go to a healer, it's the one place you don't feel judged. I feel like the energy healing kind of helps me feel seen. It almost gives me a category or label that can make sense where you may not be able to find reason and sense otherwise. And, you know, almost makes me feel like I'm perfect just as I am because I may fit into a category or I may have some type of, I don't know if diagnosis is the right word. It's not the right word, but like have some type of answer. But paradoxically, I have also had experience that make me feel like this whole world is total bullshit. And I do think that there are scammers out there. And I think I would, I would think that the majority of folks that are healers um, in that sense are a fit for others, but not for me. And there are certain healers that I've gone to that are mind-blowing for me and maybe not a fit for others. It certainly is not an exact science, and I guess it never was meant to be. And I remember this episode of Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard, if you're familiar with that podcast. He had the guest, Dr. Maya Shunker, on. She's a really well-known and respected behavioral scientist, very, very accomplished, and she is someone I respect a lot, and I love her podcast. It's called A Slight Change of Plans. Anyway, Dax and Monica were asking her about the truth on manifesting and trying to get answers on unexplainable good fortune or, or you know, uh, mysterious things happening. 
And Dr. Maya systematically let the air out of every balloon that they blew up. Like Monica was thinking that she manifested Matt Damon coming on the show, which actually happened. And that Monica, who is uh, Dax's co-host, Monica grew up with posters of Matt Damon on in her room growing up. And then she was all excited about it. Like, how do you explain that? And Dr. Shankar talked about the probabilities of how many women just like her didn't quite get that lucky shake. And I could see, <laughs> I could see people getting, or, or both of them kind of being disappointed. And I had to admit, it was a bummer. I almost resist hearing scientific data like that in those studies because it kind of removes hope in the possibility of something greater in our, our dreamer minds. We love to dream, right? And sometimes what we see in front of us isn't that hopeful and it's, it's hard to kind of figure out. And time and time again, I cling to the hope that there is a higher power, someone watching over us. It sounds more hopeful, doesn't it? It invites more possibilities, especially in the face of despair. And I do think the people that you hang around with deeply influence your openness to exploring beyond the practical um, mainstream spiritual or mean, uh, mainstream practices or more spiritual avenues. I mean, if somebody I love or if somebody you love and trust tells you that they went to a person that knew stuff about them nobody else could know and gave them profound insight that they needed to hear, change their life, I know you are reaching out to schedule something with that person before that conversation is done. So as you look at where you fall on your spectrum, I want you to look around. Is it similar to the people around you? And it's funny because we all like to think we are independent, objective thinkers making our own decisions, but so much of our, of our beliefs and our decisions are based on the tribes from where we belong. There has actually been lots and lots of studies on this that say any amount of data or information, it doesn't matter how true those facts are. If the source is not from their tribe or a credible source to them, to them, meaning it is the social groups from where they belong, they're not going to buy it. And so it's a really interesting commentary about the sources. And so it's kind of funny when you think about the sources where you do get your information, like how do you know the information that you get is trustworthy? Is it um, a network? that you trust or a reporter or a friend, it's really interesting. It's probably a deeper conversation for possibly another podcast episode. But uh, there's so much to be considered about the rise of normalizing and integrating intuition into our practices. Once again, it's the critical view we've been taking on very broken and established systems around business, capitalism, medicine, politics, religion. And I'm finding that many more medical practitioners who are taking a more holistic approach to how they treat patients. And in fact, I remember going to, uh, for my annual with my um, general practitioner doctor, just my regular physical. And, you know, when they were doing the intake, they said, Allison, what medicines are you on? Because we're a practice that would love to get you off of them. And I was like, wow, I love that. 
I'm not on any medications, but if I were, I would love to have that approach of let's not fix this. You know, if there are lifestyle changes or some healthier way instead of loading me up with drugs and I'm not anti-drug, I'm not anti-prescription medicine, but I love that that's an option, that it's not the immediate uh, um, instinct is to go right to medicine. You know, I don't think it's black and white anymore. So I have an invitation for you. Anytime you hear someone, whether it's you, someone in a position of authority or expertise, or someone you love or work with and having, and you hear an opinion that is absolute, I want your alarms, alarm bells to go off. So if somebody is 1000% sure, and I would maybe instead of taking their word because they might be an expert or somebody you love or you have some invested interest, maybe approach it with curiosity and ask them what brought them to that belief. Go deeper. So if someone says, the Bible states, blah, 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 therefore it's the truth. Is it? Could it be open to interpretation? A centuries-old book written by man has so much nuance and context to be considered. I'm sure I'm probably offending a lot of people right now, but I am okay with that. And if a doctor says the only option is aggressive surgery, it may very well be the truth. But if your body and soul are saying something different, maybe keep asking more questions. You have the right to keep exploring and getting second opinions even if those sources aren't yet mainstream. You're just collecting information. So I would take the approach of if you're not quite sure, somebody has that absolute truth, you know, maybe consider the sources and maybe taking a position of curiosity and wondering where is that coming from and making an educated opinion where your own intuition is part of that equation. And maybe that's part of how we change things too. And I mean, if you're, if you're, if you, if someone says the earth is flat, maybe run the other way. But if you're into that, ask more questions. Ask yourself, does this feel true in my body, in my heart? You know, if anyone puts the word, intuitive into any sentence about their abilities. I'm all over it. Uh, And it's funny. Why? Why am I so into that? It's because a lot of my own opinions, I don't trust. And I I feel like I can be disconnected or miss some of those signs that people might notice. People notice birds or butterflies or certain signs. I miss them all. And so, uh, and so part of my work is like tapping back into noticing And like being a little more aware and being a little more open. And I'll leave you with a really personal story. Mm. Over the past few years, I've gone from church to church to church to church to see if any of the congregations and communities fit. As you know, I grew up in church, but I didn't grow up like following Jesus like as an active thing. You know, it always felt weird to me when people would say, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. No, are you a Christian? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I'm like, I don't know. It almost feels like this weird inherent judgment in, are you a Christian? It's loaded, right? And so 
I, I have found that I've become so cynical and disappointed in the way that some self-proclaimed Christians would treat others, often with judgment, exclusion, and in my opinion, taking rights away from people who truly deserve it. Literally exactly the opposite of how Jesus would treat others. Jesus hung out with uh, lepers and all kinds of people, you know, uh, he, he sought those people out. And so I feel like disillusioned is a good word, and the political intertwining of church and state has really been very disheartening for me, and frankly, had me running at top speed in the other direction. And while I absolutely love some pastor's communication style, shout out to Andy Stanley, and I've learned so much about the Bible and teachings that I normally would have tuned all the way out, it no longer felt right to spend my time exploring. And it's one of those things that once I hear Bible verse, I immediately tune out. So like having somebody explain it in a a modern way or a way that I can relate to has been helpful. And there's some pastors that are masters at it. And lately I've actually had some kind hearted people reach out and say, Allison, I've been watching you struggle through your journey. And I, I felt the need to say this to you, but I think you need Jesus, and I think that he can help you. (sighs) And I'm very wary. And normally, I meet those kind of statements, I'm being so honest here, with an internal eye roll. But something happened last Sunday. I was watching live service at Ebenezer Baptist Church. Is Martin Luther King Jr.'s historic church And the one that Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock is the lead pastor. Joe Biden was visiting and speaking during the service in honor of MLK Day. And there were very, or weekend, and there were very important political and city figures in that church. That church is around the corner from me. I can walk to it. And in-person registration was full. So I wanted to watch online. And I remember going there many years ago when Reverend Raphael Warnock was preaching. And it was a time in our country when something happened. There was like a major mass shooting. And I was so irretrievably sad and felt this despair and brokenness and just wanted to find a place to find hope. And good Lord, I always feel God in a black church. I really do. And I remember being surprised by Raphael's sermon at the time being so political in nature. As this was way before he had ran for office, I'd never heard somebody be so open in that position in a church. But the music, the community, the welcoming nature, the spirit was so high And I remember back then wishing I could feel so sure about God or even more connected. I was so moved. And my daughter at the time, Juliana, was a toddler. She was sitting on my lap and she would get a little fussy during the sermon. But when the music started, she would stand at attention with her big blue eyes just wide. When the gospel choir and the whole congregation would get up and sing and clap. And there was so much energy and spirit. It was just magnificent. And when I watched this special service um, from last weekend from my home and I heard Raphael tell the congregation, look to the person next to you, tell them, I'm praying for you. 
And I could feel the tears well up in me. This is even before the service. As I watched this beautiful and moving service, or before the sermon, I should say, and how much I missed feeling like I mattered to someone I didn't know in such a meaningful way and could offer that same to someone else who might be feeling unseen or unheard or uncared for or unrecognized or unprayed for. I could feel the power of togetherness and collective joy. You know, I've been questioning my faith for so long, but how could God not be real when Aretha Franklin would open her mouth and sing, or when these amazing gospel singers would belt out a hymn with such power and energy and confidence, or enforce really, just the force of the Spirit just moving through them. I believe it. I believe it. Or when I could feel completely whole when I'm at Red Rocks or in nature. Those are the times when I feel like I am want for nothing. I am free and I'm complete. What an incredible state I imagine we could probably all use to feel whole. And I realized how lonely I have felt. And not because I'm alone. I truly do feel supported and I'm grateful for the people in my life. But I wanted to be honest that I really have been feeling lonely and I miss true connection that otherworldly and unexplainable connection to other people. So I signed up for a program. This is kind of a, I guess, all puns intended, a big leap of faith for me. So I signed up for a program called Renew, where I will have a mentor to help me explore my own relationship with God over the next few months. And I acknowledge I'm still really resistant to it. But I'm curious and I'm open. And I feel like this is an avenue where my cynicism has darkened a place that could be light again. So I'm hopeful. And I think the answer might be that there really are no absolutes other than death and change. And, you know, having, if there are no absolutes, then maybe inviting the spiritual truths that feel right to you or these healing modalities or other avenues could really shed light into a dark place that may have been darkened for too long. And I'm going to be all over Instagram stories, getting your feedback on where you fall on the scale. And if you disagree, I welcome it or have a story to share, a story of transformation. Please DM me or email me at allison at allisonhair.com. I've got a few exciting opportunities to connect, not only with me, but with others too. So I've got an in-person experience. It's called Calm in the Chaos, and I'm opening it up for registration. It will be in Atlanta on February 18th. Lock it off your calendar as it will be 1 to 4 p.m. again Saturday, February 18th. And I'm finalizing the details, so depending on when you listen... Check the show notes here for the link to register my socials. It's going to be super affordable and will be very transformative and connective and reflective. So if you want to support this show, join the community of late learners, ladies, if you will, and get all the episodes ad-free and early bonus content while supporting an independent podcaster like me, sign up at patreon.com forward slash late learner. 
But mostly, if this episode made you think, please share it in your circles. Open a new dialogue, share your ideas. Connections over these important topics have the power to change not only you, but the culture around you. And personally, I believe that we've been taught or we were raised in a society where in polite company, you never talk about politics, sex, religion, money. But those four things are probably the most important, or even spirituality, are probably the most important uh, things of how we are shaped. And we're not talking about it. We don't know each other. And so having the ability to have an open dialogue about this, I think, is how we shift, how we shift who we are in our own healing and our ability to stay connected with the rest of the world. I'd love it if you would take a moment to write a review as it really helps me shape the show. And I also send out weekly journal-like emails. They uh, Every Thursday, they're short, they're insightful, and they always have a bit of fun. You can sign up at allisonhair.com. And as always, be good to yourself so you can be better for others. See you on the socials until I see you in your pod feed again.